So when we meet Jesus and we declare that He is the Son of God, immediately you become a son or a daughter. Immediately your identity is given to you. That we are loved and that we are grounded and rooted in His love and we know that we're His kids, then all of a sudden we get to understand what we're made for, what our purpose is, which is where inheritance really begins. Intimacy says God chose you and He loves you. Jesus Christ died for you because God loves you that much that He wants relationship with you. You can't perform it. You can't earn it. You have to receive it. I'm so excited today, and Ryan kind of stole some of my thunder here. Um, yeah, he got excited, and I could have just sat down, and we'd have been great. Uh, listen, you guys have an amazing church staff. It's an amazing team that you guys have here, and, and I have spoken, and you'll hear a little bit more about me, but uh, I've traveled all around the world. I've been to a lot of churches, a lot of churches, and you have something special here. Amen. We have something special here. Yeah. Uh, I'll get into my personal life in a little bit, but I've only been here since June of, uh, I'm sorry, July of last year was my first time coming. And um, I will be leaving in September. <laughs> and you'll hear more about that. I, uh, I'm just, anyways, give honor where honor is due. You guys have something amazing here in this, in this uh, building. The other thing I want to say too is not just your staff, but man, what a worship time this morning. Listen, if you, if you, don't, if you don't take and make the most of that opportunity, of alone time with God, all distractions gone, you don't have to worry about work, you don't have to worry about anything going on. If you don't make the most of that opportunity, you're missing something. You're missing grabbing a hold of God's hands, pulling him close, and just laying there and feeling his love for you. His crazy love for you. Anyways, I could stand up here the whole time and just talk about how much God loves you, how much he cares about you, and, and, and how amazing it is to be in a place like this that, that lifts up intimacy, that lifts up, lifts up inheritance. It's, that's very unusual, guys. I know, I know you guys probably know this. I'm really talking about the other service, but... This is, this is an amazing place. And again, I could go on and on. And your identity, I mean, we just came through that series and what, an, what a powerful series that was. Uh, we're gonna look at Matthew chapter 28 this morning. Um, did anybody, a couple weeks ago when Matt Peterson was here, did anybody else feel uncomfortable when he said, hey, start cheering for the person right next to you? Right in their face, you know, you're like, hey! Did anybody else feel uncomfortable? Did anybody else feel uncomfortable when, they, when, when Matt said, hey, go to those people and tell them thank you? Was that uncomfortable? Why? Why do we make those times so uncomfortable? When that's what God's called us to do is to reach our neighbor, to, to love our neighbor, to, to encourage and edify and uplift. I'm way off my message, I haven't even started it yet. So, 
But Matt Peterson, and he said that, and then he also said, let love reach its destination. What a powerful picture, uh, a powerful picture that that paints. And then last week, Janice, she says, this one thing that just, it just grabbed a hold of me. And she said, I wanna spend the rest of my days giving it away. How power, listen, if you did not listen to those messages, you need, Ryan said it, I'm gonna say it again, you need to go listen to those messages. Those are powerful, powerful messages. Now, trying to fit into the culture here in Medford, which I'm not from here, obviously, I don't have the accent you guys have. (laughs) Everybody says accent, right? So, uh, I'm not from here, I I was born and raised uh, in Ohio, O-H, um, if there's Michigan fans here, just be quiet, okay. <laughs> I was born and raised in Ohio, uh, met my wife in Ohio, uh, had kids in Ohio, <laughs> and was in ministry for um, 20 years. I was in full-time ministry. But before I go there, let me just tell you how I've tried to fit into the culture here in Medford. I went to Jasper's. They're like, you've got to go to Jasper's. Like, it's just a hamburger. I walked out of there. I wanted to go slap my mom because she had never taken me there. I mean, that was that good. It was slap your mama good. That was good stuff. Anyways, let's, let's pray real quick. Father, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for my pillow. God, there's people all over this world that don't even have that. Thank you for my pillow. Thank you for loving me enough to give me those comforts in life. Yet you love someone else that doesn't have all that the same. God, thank you for for loving us, caring about us, and allowing us the privilege of carrying the greatest story ever told. God, we thank you this morning. We pray that everything we do and say today would lift your name up. We pray that everything we touch today would have your fingerprints on it. Now, God, would you highlight your path? Would you spotlight your footsteps before us so that we can know that we're walking and going where you want us to go? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The decisions you make today are going to determine the stories you tell tomorrow. I'm gonna tell you just a few stories this morning about different things, but I'll start off with me. Again, I'm married for 30 years. I have four kids. I have seven grandkids. I know, I don't look that old. (laughs) I know, I know. Seven grandkids, I love them to death. I love being the horse, (laughs) the bull on the ground, and they want to ride your back. I love that stuff. I love my grandkids. I love preparing the future for my grandkids. 
I'm preparing, and you'll hear a little bit about this in just a, just a minute. I'm preparing the future for my grandkids. I wanna challenge you today. Prepare the future for somebody. I was in Ohio, told you that. God said, I want you to leave ministry and move to Las Vegas. <laughs> move west, young man. So we begin to move and, and long story and I, I don't have time to tell you all that because I wanna encourage you about some other things today, but we moved to Las Vegas. God said, I, I want you to quit ministry and can you do what you've been preaching for 20 years? I said, yes, God, I'll do that. I'll leave ministry and I'll do what I've preached for 20 years. He said, can you do that without touting your own achievements? Can you do that without telling anybody what you used to do? Nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no. I said, yeah, I'll do that, God. So my wife and I, all of our kids are grown, married. Our wife and, my wife and I picked up everything. We moved to Las Vegas, didn't have a job, didn't have anything. Said, God, now what do you want us to do? And I'll just leave it at that because there's a lot God wants us to do. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now this morning I've been tasked with talking to you about missions trips, missions teams, what it's like to be part of a mission team. I've been, I, I lost count how many, but I've been traveling the last 20 years on missions trips. And there's some things that I've discovered over that time. And then at the end, I'm gonna give you those, those few things that I've discovered. And then at the end of today, listen, You've got a pencil under your seat. I know everybody's freaking out about it, wondering what it is. Don't chew on it. Don't pull your pocket knife out and sharpen it. I mean, that's fine. We'll talk about it later, okay? Anyways, so we're gonna go through those things and we'll talk about that. I'm gonna run you through what I do with my teams. Every team that I've taken, this is what I do with them, okay? So I wanna talk about this morning some things that, some benefits uh, of going on a, trip. I want to give you what God's shown me about going on a trip, what that looks like, what that means, what that feels like, what you're going to experience going into another culture. Now, we understand culture, right? I came from Ohio. Well, guess what? Oregon is a whole different culture, <laughs> big time. Now, well, first I went to Vegas, and that's, we don't, that's in a whole other planet by itself, so here's some things that I've experienced uh, on trips. Number one, you will encounter God's heart. You're going to encounter God's heart on these trips. Listen, our God is big and he cares about the nations. You see, he wants to, he wants a, uh, a tribe of every, every tribe, every tongue, every nation gathered together. That's a picture of family to Jesus. That's a picture of family to God, is every tribe, every nation coming together. Everybody. 
That's, what we're, that's one of the things you're gonna encounter God's heart. And I'm gonna tell you stories about these, uh, real life stories of people that went on these trips. I'm gonna tell you right now about Gary. At this time, Gary's 61 years old. Gary had, uh, was single, never been on a missions trip before, never done anything like this before. Gary's the guy, he's 61 years old in the best shape of his life. He was a ski instructor, downhill ski, not like water skiing, like snow skiing. He was a ski instructor. He was a tennis instructor. Anybody play tennis? Holy cow, you guys are my heroes. That's way too much running for me. I Literally, I played one time and I was hitting it and the guy knew what he was doing and I'm running back and forth, running back and forth and he's just standing there hitting it. Making me run, making me run. Gary was 61 years old. Tennis, skiing, man's man. Built his own, went out to the woods on the side of a hill, bought some land, cleared it, bulldozed, built his own barn. On top was an, was an apartment. Single guy, right? Had his Corvette. <laughs> had his four-wheeler, had his boat, all underneath, and he's sleeping on top. Anyways, that's a little bit about, about Gary. Gary on this trip, God got a hold of his heart. I was taking this trip to, does anybody remember Katrina? <coughs> Katrina happened. That year, this particular trip was the first trip I had taken a team down there. I was actually there and I could tell you a long story, but we don't have time on Mississippi. We went to Waveland, Mississippi. Uh, this was my first trip with this team. We actually took 16 teams down that year to one place and then affected the community from there. Anyways, Gary went on this trip. Gary is a man's man. Man, he got down and was tearing out hot water heaters. Gary got in there, was tearing out drywall. He was tearing everything. I mean, just, he was the rock star on the team, Gary was. Gary got a hold of God's heart at that trip. He had never experienced anything like that before. The next year, we were getting ready for the missions trip that we were gonna take, go somewhere else. Gary was on his dirt bike, 61 years old, you're riding a dirt bike around. He went over, uh, uh, we called them whoop doos I don't know what they're called. Anyways, he was going over that, endoed it, flipped it, busted his neck, he's now quadriplegic. Gary comes to me and he says, can I still go on the trip? Well, why did Gary say that? He can't. He's not physically able to go on that trip because that first trip he went on, he got a hold of God's heart. He found God's heart for other people than himself. The second thing I learned was we could go into stories all day and I'm gonna give you some, but that story, Gary's now passed away. But what a heart for missions that guy had. He wanted to go on every trip. He couldn't, but he wanted to. He wanted to. So he paid for others to go on that trip. Anyways, I won't get, you guys stop making me go different places. I gotta stay on track. First thing you're gonna do is you're gonna encounter God's heart. The second thing you're gonna do is you're gonna expand your, your limited perspective. Has anybody ever been out of, okay, let's do a hand raising thing here, okay? I don't know if you guys are used to this, but I'm gonna ask you to hand, raise your hands. Okay, who's, ever, who's been out of, uh, out of Medford? You'd be surprised there's people that haven't been out of their hometown. Okay, who's been out of Oregon? 
Okay, who's been out of the West Coast? If, if, just keep your hand up. If you haven't at some point, lower your hand, okay. How many of you have been out of, uh, been, been to the uh, Midwest? Okay, you still, still going with me? Okay, how many have been out of the United States? This is amazing. How many of you have been to uh, uh, Europe? Oh, a lot of hands. Okay, let's pull them back, pull them back up how you were. Uh, how many of you have been to South America? A few, okay. How many of you have been to um, Australia? <laughs> you guys rock. You guys are awesome. Anyways, okay. Uh, the thing is, is most of us don't get out of that comfort zone. We don't get out of that area where uh, our perspective is here. Our perspective is where we are. Our perspective is, is what we see, experience in every day, right? Sometimes God wants to just blow that perspective out of your head to see that there's more to this life than just what you're experiencing. You go to a foreign country and, and uh, things happen. Our perspective is, is that rut that we get stuck in. So you guys know what a rut is, right? A rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's a grave with both ends kicked out. You're gonna, you'll stand in that rut and you'll stay in that rut forever if you don't get out and start doing something that you've never done. Even pastors get bored. Can I, am I allowed to say that? Even pastors get bored. Because you keep bringing the same problem over and over. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just serious. Um, (laughs) Let me tell you about how how your perspective is limited. I went on a trip to Africa. Now on this trip, mind, this was a missions trip, but... I was running video and I was creating, long story, I was creating a DVD for a, for a guy that's from South Africa, lives in America, he's raising money in America to go back, plant churches all over South Africa, okay? Anyways, I was doing video for this. I'm the video guy, right? Anybody ever, yeah, video, you're just the video guy, that's all you are. And there's, a, there's this guy that everybody knows leading this whole entourage and, I'm filming this, we, go, we drive about an hour out of town. We're in the bush of Africa and, and the, the, the local pastor found out that we were coming ahead of time and so he put up a tent and, and now there's 1,500 people waiting there, just standing there. And this tent was 20 by 30, it wasn't big. So I'm videotaping all this and he was just there to, 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 to uh, give a, a message kind of to the people, an encouraging message to the local pastors, those kind of things. But so many people found out about it. It wasn't just pastors that came to this. It was the community. So we're going through this. Talk about your perspective. Remember, we're talking about that. I'm the video guy. So right before he's getting ready to speak, someone comes up. God had given them a a vision. When that happened... He came running to me. I'm looking through the video camera, videotaping this. He comes walking to me and, and I'm wondering, why is he walking towards the camera? This is not good footage, okay? This will not make it on the DVD, your legs. Okay, anyways. Um, so he came walking towards me and, and he said, God just told them that you're supposed to pray for the people. I'm just a video guy. You're supposed to pray for the people. 
long argument there of no, that's not wrong guy, you know, I'm the video guy. I stood there for the next five hours praying for people because they would not leave from in front of you until they knew that you touched the hem of the garment, until they know you crawled up in daddy's lap on their behalf. Five hours, talk about a different perspective on prayer. When's the last time you stood there and said, God, I'm not leaving until I can touch the hem of your garment? Your perspective opens up when you go on these trips. You catching this? The third thing is, is you, you become more grateful. <laughs> You'll be more grateful about what you have, what you've experienced in life. I could tell you stories about El Salvador when we were there working and came back from that trip with a renewed thankfulness, gratefulness for what God had done for me. The next thing is you're gonna discover your spiritual family. See, we've got brothers and sisters in Christ all over this world and a lot of them you've never met. Do you realize there's family out there that you've never met? They're waiting to meet you. They wanna meet you. They wanna spend time with you. They wanna get to know you. I got more stories than I got time, so I'm gonna keep going. Let me tell you about uh, building lasting relationships. There are places all over this world that I could call someone right now, not because of who I am. I am nobody. It's because the relationship that Jesus created in us. These lasting relationships that I could call my friend Anton in South Africa right now. I could call Juan in El Salvador because of these lasting relationships. How many of you would love to have those kind of relationships? They're waiting for you. Those relationships are waiting for you right now. They're waiting for you all over this world. There are people that would love to get to know you and to have that relationship. Family that would love to meet you. It goes again, these lasting partnerships, Gary, let me just go back to Gary again. Gary gave to missions and sent at least one person every mission trip. Every mission trip until the, the, the year he died. And then his wife started sending people. <laughs> because of those lasting partnerships. Uh, the other thing that's gonna happen on this, and, and God dropped a picture in my heart as I was, we were... Um, during worship this morning, and I'll get to that in just a second. But the, the thing that, that causes, uh, when you go on these trips is you begin to overcome your fears. Anybody have fears? Fears? What are some of the fears? Public speaking. Public speaking. <laughs> okay, it's probably not a good one then, up here to do that. Anybody else? Anybody else got a fear? Bugs, somebody say? Specifically? Any, any kind of creepies, crawlies. Anybody else? What's that? Abandonment. Wow. What's the other one? Cartel. Those are those are uh, fears. Here's the here's the thing about fear. You've got two choices. Let's look at fear as an acronym, okay? Uh, an acronym is each each letter. Anyways, you all understand. 
Fear. We can either... No. Yes, but that's not what we're, uh, where I'm going with the acronym. We can forget everything and run. Or we can face everything and rise. Here's the picture God gave me this morning as, I, as we were in, in worship and I was sitting there. On one side of us is our fears. On the other side of us, on the other side of us is our comfort zone. And every day, our job is to face one of those. See, on a missions trip, you will come up against a lot of fears. You're gonna have things set in front of you to eat that you didn't wanna eat. And guess what? You gotta eat it anyways. Because that's the best of the best that they have. There's fears of sleeping who knows where because a lot of times when you go, you don't know what your accommodations are. There's fears. There's fears of leaving your kids for a week. There's fears of, of leaving work for a week. Right? I mean, over 40% of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. I mean, there's fears of that. That's a real fear. But you gotta face those things. You see, we've got to either forget it, ignore it, walk away and run. Or we have to face it and we rise to those situations. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. We're all going to have fear in our life. So what are we going to do with it? We're going to forget everything and run or face everything and rise. The last thing I want to say before we get into, oh, I got to say it quick. The last thing is this, you're going to expand, help expand the kingdom of Jesus. We wanna expand the kingdom, right? I mean, that's why we're here. We're here to expand the kingdom. Or if you're not, if you're just here for you, then please talk to one of the staff because <laughs> there's some things you need to discuss. We have to get ready and see the kingdom expanded. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 28. Go, go. Was that, a, was that an option? Was it a suggestion? Or was it a command? It said go. Go into all the nations. Janice did. Janice said, yes, I'll go. Few, few uh, fighting moments, I'm sure, before she said that, from what I gather. But she said, let's go, let's go. Of course, not everybody can hop on a plane, go to a foreign country, I get that. Maybe there's medical limitations, maybe there's family, maybe there's something going on. Then help somebody go. Help somebody go. There's always people that you can help to get there. So whether you go in person or virtually, let's, re let's, let's recognize the importance of missions, of teams. You're gonna make friends on your team that you'll have the rest of your life. Someone once said, if you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, then you don't have a circle, you have a cage. That's a hard one, isn't it? That's a hard one. 
That's a hard one. Look at the people around you. It says a lot about you. Okay, now let's reach under our seat. Reach under your seat and grab your pencil. I'm gonna go quick with this because we don't have a lot of time. I'm gonna show you the, the, this is what I do with every missions team uh, that I take to the field. We, this is one of the last things we do before we leave. I say there's five things you can learn from a pencil. If I take this pencil and I take it down to the nursery right now and I put it in the hands of those kids, what's gonna happen? Somebody's getting hurt, right? There's gonna be medical bills for someone. If I put this in the hand of a mathematician, what can happen? If I put this in the hand of an artist, what can happen? Amazing things, right? Same thing, same thing. But it's gotta be held in the right hand. This pencil, just like you and I, we've gotta be held in the right hand for God to do with us what he wants to do with us. For this pencil to, to reach its potential, it has to be sharpened. You and I are gonna go through times of sharpening. We're gonna go through times when things are rough. We feel like part of us is just being peeled off. And if not, I wanna peel it off because I wanna get away from it. We all go through those times of hardships, times of, I don't know where the next paycheck's gonna come from. I don't know where I'm gonna, or how I'm gonna eat. I don't know how, we all go through those times of sharpening. But in order to reach your potential, you need to go through times of sharpening because it's in those times of sharpening God reaches and he grabs a hold of you and you really begin to see what living by faith is, living sent is. The third thing is this, every pencil has, a, has the ability to correct its own mistakes. Every pencil has the ability to correct its own mistakes. You and I have the ability to correct our own mistakes. We can go to the throne room. We can say, thank you, Father. Forgiveness, healing. We have the ability to correct our own mistakes. The fourth thing is, it's what's on the inside that counts. Because you look at this and everything else other than that inside is useless. It's something different than its original purpose, right? It's something different than, uh, than, than what, the, it can do something different than everything else can. It's what's on the inside that matters. The outside is not the important thing. It's just there to hold the inside. It's a vehicle that God uses to put his spirit in, hopefully, to put his spirit in and for then you to give it away. It's what's on the inside that matters the most. And the last thing you can learn from a pencil is everywhere it goes, it leaves a mark. Everywhere you and I go, we've got to leave a mark. We have to leave part of ourselves there. That's why I'm here in Medford right now. I have to, my assignment here in Medford is to leave part of me here. Not because of this. This is not it. It's out there in your community. We have to leave a mark. You see, it's easy to do the right things, but it's easier not to. It's easy to eat the right foods, but it's easier not to. It's easy to go on a missions trip, but it's easier not to. Let me challenge you this morning, everywhere you go, 
Leave a mark. Leave a mark. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for this time that we've had together. God, I pray that you would birth within us in our hearts your heart. Your heart. Loving you and loving others. Others include those around this world. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're gonna do. But God, we also know that if this is going to, if this world is gonna hear, we have to do it. It's our responsibility to share your love, your grace, your mercy, and to let people know that you are crazy in love with them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.